All right, let's start. Uh, take a look at your notes. If you're new to uh, LifeHouse, there's a set of green notes, or you can pull out your smartphone. If you got the Bible app, the Brown Bible Bible app, you can go to the live events on there. No, sis. It's, oh, you got them so that they work. So we're testing out some new things, everybody. And I got up on the screen here for me. Go ahead, put it up there. Things to do, right? Things to do. Everybody's got things to do, you know, so many things to do. And as I talk to people, uh, I was talking with a young man uh, a couple weeks ago, and he's in high school, and he's telling me that with all that he has to do, he doesn't have time for one more thing in his life. Now, this is either a joke or this is reality, and that's probably reality, right? They're giving us so much stuff to do, even a high schooler can't find enough time to slow down and enjoy life. That's why at the top of your notes, I put the phrase that you all know. I wasn't going to go with that. Stop and smell the roses. You know, it means to, I got the definition, to relax, to take time out of one's busy schedule, to enjoy or appreciate the beauty of life. Now, I really don't know who to blame here today. I really like to blame society rather than blame myself. I'd rather blame the world and every other thing and every responsible I have. But ultimately, it's got to come back to me. That we have gotten to the place where we have let everything else push out all of the joys of life and this problem to just slow down. We don't slow down and smell the roses. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, rich or poor. I know people, and you know people in all of those categories. They're just so driven to just be so busy because we tell ourselves, I'm important. I really don't have time to slow down and relax. I'm an important person. I'm too busy to enjoy life. Let everybody else do that, and we almost wear it like a badge of honor. That's how dumb... I'll just say I am sometimes, not not none of you. The smells of life are wonderful, and they're everywhere. But as you have on your see on your notes there, I have the phrase "Don't inhale." See that? Four things I'd like to talk to you about. Don't inhale. Somebody famous, a president, said that one time. I don't inhale. I would suggest to you keep on living life. Don't inhale and don't smell the roses. Number one, don't inhale. Just be ungrateful don't smell the roses be ungrateful don't inhale to be ungrateful means that uh, to not feel or to show gratitude it's a person who is not ongoingly feeling uh, 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 gratitude or showing gratitude whether it's to god or to other people so it basically affects my feelings I, i don't feel grateful i don't show being grateful and it affects me. So, I mean, I best, yes, I would say to you, don't recognize you live in a house, you have a refrigerator, and you probably have heat in your home, which is more than about 90-some percent of people in the world. If you got nothing else to thank, hey, thank the Lord for that, you got that. I mean, really, don't do that. Just, let's just all just take it for gra- uh, granted. Live life never stopping to take in any of the blessings that are around you. There are very few events where we can really feel grateful. Be the type of person when a thunderstorm takes place, worry and and be concerned. There's a thunderstorm and my power may go out. Thank you for that testimony this morning. Don't be one of those nuts who go outside and enjoy the thunderstorm. 
just thinking about the power and the abilities and the sovereignty of our God. Don't be one of those kind of kooks or nuts like that, some simpleton that would go out and enjoy that. Just push through life and don't think about anything that is enjoyable. Don't meditate on creation or nature or anything. James 1.17 tries to correct that ungratefulness a little bit, tries to correct our actions a little bit. I have it in your notes. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Folks, the Bible tells me that we have a good Father who has given us good gifts. I understand that life sometimes pushes in. And I understand across the congregation here today, if you're not in a tough situation today, you probably will be soon. And then, the, then when we're doing good, all we think about is, is man, something, something's got to go wrong. This is kind of what has been bred into us somehow or another. The scripture says, stop and take in the small things in life. My wife is enjoying getting to the place where we're, the leaves are starting to change. And every once in a while, she forces me to walk with her. She loves to walk and this, that, the other. We walk through different parks and stuff. And she says, do you smell that? And I'm like, she walks fast, man. I'm always behind her, you know. Like a good husband, I walk behind, you know, just... And, and oh, did you did you see the animals over there? Did you see the? the and like, I'm walking down with my head down, just trying to get through this so I don't step in something I shouldn't step in. But she sees everything, and I'm missing it. You got somebody like that in your life? I think about juice boxes. Somebody comes up and says, "We created this thing, a juice box. You got this box, you took a straw into it." And I think to myself, has anybody ever stopped to think that God did the same thing with an orange? It's his juice box. He's got the outer shell. Peel it or stick a straw in it or something, and you got, have you stopped? Have you smiled? Have you seen? Or are you just living life ungrateful? I mean, if, if you want to regret your life later on in life, don't smell the roses. Be ungrateful. Just exist running from task to task and be proud of the gastric juices that are creating that ulcer that you got. I deserve this ulcer. Don't inhale be ungrateful. Number two, be unfaithful. I don't mean in relationship. I'm talking about faith, which means basically don't, you know, you're a Christian and maybe you are, I mean, whatever, and Jesus says these crazy things in the scriptures, all the opposite of what everybody else would handle. Don't get revenge and don't you know, do good to your enemies and all of these crazy things. I mean, live life a skeptic that has everything to do with Jesus. Find practical reasons, all of us who are the analytical side, not to trust what Jesus says. Let's just continue to do it our way. Don't live anything you don't really understand that Jesus is teaching. Make sure it all makes sense first so that you can be faithless. You don't ever want to experience the sweet smell of faith. Trust in Jesus when it doesn't make sense, and then watching what he does. Find something wrong with everything. Find something wrong with everything. Be unfaithful. And Jesus steps in in Matthew 13, 54, and he comes to his, his own hometown, everybody. Jesus is coming home to all of his peeps, and he's back there, and he's beginning to teach, and he's teaching in their synagogues. And verse 54 says, and they were amazed. Now, you would think that that's a good thing. And what are they amazed about? They said, where did this man 
not, not, not our friend Jesus, not, our, you know, not, not Jesus. Where'd this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? This is what they're amazed about. But notice the unfaithfulness, the skepticism that begins to, because they're trying to make sense of everything in their mind. And they say in verse 55, isn't this the carpenter's son? Wait a minute. He's the car- that means he's a carpenter. We know him. That, that's no big deal. He's not no highfalutin rabbi, that's for sure. We know his dad. We know his mom. Her name's Mary. And, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Don't we know them too? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things that doesn't make sense to them? It says that they're amazed, and I don't know why they're amazed, because verse 57 says, really crazy, and they took offense at him. They took offense. You know, that's kind of what Jesus does sometimes. He states it, and he says what's right and true, and, you know, it's get on or get off. Here I am. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No other way to heaven. No other way to my Father other than me. And if he's either true, then we better get on board. And if it's not true, let's not even listen to anything else that he teaches us. He goes on to say, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And I wonder, is this where we live as Americans? We talk about Jesus, we read his words, but really, where is our all-out faith? that we trust him and not what it is that we can conjure up ourselves. I understand that there's a place for us to do things. Maybe this is where we're living. We're reading the Bible and we're doubting Jesus and I wonder how many instances in my life and your life Jesus doesn't move because of this. I'm, I'm faithless. I wonder how many places he doesn't heal or perform a miracle because of my and our faith, unfilled faith lives. I mean... I would think that that would be time, Evan, to stop just fooling around and just be faith-filled. I mean, we're more apt to believe something on the Internet that Al Gore put up for all of us to see and learn than we are sometimes to believe the Scriptures. The Al Gore thing was a joke, everybody. So, Folks, Christianity, it doesn't smell any good without being full of faith. Christianity, it's very frustrating to live unless we're full of faith. Number three, don't inhale, just be ungrateful. Don't inhale, be unfaithful. And don't inhale, just be a worry wart, right? Live life concerned about every little thing that you can't change. Worry about it, right? Allow every big situation in your life to rent space in your emotions allow every situation to rent space in your mind and make sure it robs you of sleep at night. Just be a worry wart. The thing is, is all of you are worry warts. When I'm worried about something, I'm concerned. You're worrying. I'm just concerned about it, you know. I have a higher spiritual reality. Yeah, right. We've convinced ourselves that this shows other people we care. Yeah, I care, so I'm, I'm concerned, and I'm worried about it, and I'm fretting about it, and this, that, the other. I, I'm concerned about it, you know. It would almost be like if I didn't, I would be like, aren't you responsible enough? You know, if we really did trust Jesus with every concern, you know, I would really kind of come across as lazy. 
and really don't care, you know. And Jesus takes this passage of Scripture in Luke 2.12 and says, Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, and let me expand this a little bit, do not worry about your life, Evan. Do not worry about you're going to eat, Evan. Uh, don't worry about your body. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. And Jesus makes two points. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. And at this point, Jesus, to drive his point home, says, you all ought to be bird watchers. I personally have thought that's a lame occupation. If you're a bird watcher, awesome. You know, I I, I didn't mean to. But he says in verse 24, consider the ravens. Consider the seagulls. Consider the robins. Consider the birds. They do not sow or reap. That means they don't plant a garden and they don't take anything out of it ever. They have no storerooms, no barns. They don't have a physical building. They don't have a pantry like I have that's full of stuff. They don't have a refrigerator. They They don't have stuff like this. And Jesus is saying, would you take a look? Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? I said, Jesus, you know, I have, I have real life things to worry about. You know, I really don't need stories about birds. I, I don't even like birds. You're trying to turn me into a bird watcher. The only birds I like are angry birds. I have too much to worry about to watch birds in verse 25. Who of you, Evan, and all of it, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Let me just worry it up. When time's up, time's up. And since you cannot do this very little thing, and Jesus said, adding an hour to your life is such a very little thing, why would you worry about the rest? What are you going to worry about the rest for? How many things have you worried into existence? How many things, Evan, have you worried into existence? How many things have changed because I've worried? I'll tell you what, there's many things I've worried about, and probably you too. You're worried about them, and they never happen because you're thinking, man, if that happens, I'm going to do this, that, and they never come about. Worry warts are like a, a mom who, when she doesn't get her text back from her kids in 30 seconds, you got that graphic for me? The, the, when you don't get back in 30 seconds, this is what your mother is thinking. Number one, you're in an accident, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Uh, uh, you, you've been kidnapped and thrown into a trunk, and she's thinking, you're in quicksand, wherever that is at. I don't know, you, I found it, you know. 30 seconds, and if you don't, you don't hear from, mom don't hear from you, these are, this is where her mind goes. And what about you? What is it when this doesn't happen? And it happens about once a month. Whatever at work, whatever it is that you just had, write down your own graphic worry. You know, I mean, there are two things that can change what we worry about. And let's surrender to both of them. Number one is what I can do. Christians would don't sit on a bump on a log and just pray Jesus. You know, let's say you have a job, and your job really isn't helping you make ends meet and you can't provide for the whatever, you know, on the practical side, you have two options, maybe more. Number one, you begin to look for another job. Number two, you get a part-time job. I know a lot of people that do that, they'll get a part-time job. But the second thing you do from the practical side of, to the faith side is you put your total trust in Jesus. Jesus, would you do what I cannot do? Will you help me? I'm finding a job. I'm looking here. I'm doing whatever I can, but I'm doing it 
comfortably and in faith. Because I am trusting Jesus that he'll open up the door. And I would suggest this to you. Pray and fast. Pray and fast about what it is that you need. What it is you do. Because sometimes through praying and fasting, God showed me something I never saw before. It's just like, you know, this is why you're here. It's just like, I can find peace with that. I can find peace with that. And that just kind of settles in. i tell you a true story. My daughter, uh, Elizabeth's uh, husband, the family member of theirs, uh, was some type of a salesman. I can't remember exactly what he does. But the, he was looking for a new job because he wanted his wife, as they have their second child, to be a stay-at-home mom. He wanted that. That's what they thought. So he told the family, and all of them were praying, including my daughter and uh, my son-in-law, Ricky, and they're all praying for it. He gets another job offer from another company, and as he's getting ready to look into that and getting ready to give his two weeks' notice, his company that he works for comes back to him, as they often tend to do, you know, and they literally double his salary. They double his salary Having had people pray and, and, and fast and seek the Lord, I know it doesn't happen like that all the time, but they're giving credit to Jesus Christ. He did what he needed to do, and they trusted and surrounded themselves with prayer. Whatever you do, don't inhale the sweet aroma of putting your full trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Keep on worrying, because eventually worrying is going to get you what you want. Number four, don't inhale. Don't inhale and enjoy. Be self-absorbed. Think about you first. I mean, whatever happens in life, the best way for you to react towards anything that affects you, whether it's negative or positive, is make sure how it affects you. Allow your mind to consume itself with how everything affects you. Whether it's negative or positive, yay me. Right? Like, I talked to somebody the other day, and uh, they, were, they were coming to an appointment that we had, and uh, they texted me that the, there was an accident. And there was an accident, and it was all backed up and stuff like that, you know. And so when you're in an accident, since you're self-absorbed, just think about how it's inconveniencing you. Think about how it's gonna, late it's going to make you where you're going. Don't ever stop to think of doing what this crazy nut did that I'm talking to you about, who was praying for the people in the accident, who was tender-hearted enough to think, you know, sometimes you get in an accident, you get hurt, sometimes you don't, but just the shock of it all just shocks your emotions. Don't be like that. Just think of how it's affecting you. And if you ever come home and you've had a hard day's work and you're starving and dinner isn't on the table, don't ever think about what might have caused it to not be on the table, whether it's kids or whether it's some, or maybe the stove blew up or maybe some excuse like the power's out. Just think about how much it's affecting you. Just think about how much you deserve it. Be self-absorbent so you don't ever smell the roses. Don't let the words from Hebrews 13, 15 affect you where Jesus says, through Jesus, therefore, let us 24-7, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That's why when I walk through the gym in Painesville that has love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor yourself, that's why as I'm walking through the gym to get to the racquetball court, that's why I'm saying it out loud so everybody can hear it just in case they can't read. 
probably get hit with a basketball a few different times, right? Folks, just, just kind of be self-absorbed. I mean, the essence of Jesus Christ comes out as we give praise to him. And th- I mean, that would mean that I'd kind of like be like a Jesus freak. Verse 16. Don't forget to do good, to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And can you imagine the fact that your God is pleased with you, that he would bless you, that he would guide you, that he would direct you? I mean, of course, I, I really can't be self-absorbed and think about doing good for other people. The essence, though, of Jesus Christ is to be selfless and not self-absorbed. Here is the essence. Do you want to be a Christian? Do you want to be God-like? And I, I mean that, small g. Do something for somebody, it says do good to others, who don't deserve it and who you don't like. Don't look at your husband. Do something. Do you know every day in this world, on this planet, that God the Father is good to all kinds of people who hate him? You and I want to be like him? Do something for somebody that don't deserve it and then have a couple of those paddles ready. They might have a heart attack. Be self-absorbed, though, you know. Being self-absorbed, it, it really does stink. It smells nothing like roses. It, it, it's like having B.O. and body odor stinking it up and not being able to smell it on yourself, but everybody else can smell it on you. In your notes, I have <laughs> the phrase, when you don't stop. You know, the other day I was driving with Maria in an area I had never been before. We're driving out some backcountry road somewhere, and we're going to pick some stuff up and this, that, the other, and there's, there's this stop sign, and there's a stop sign that had red lights around it. Stop, 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 you know. So I figured out in the country. I thought in my mind this has got to be a four-way stop, but I didn't check to see if the other way it did have a stop. When I pulled up, the person over there, thankfully they were slowing down to turn because if they hadn't have been, they'd have T-boned me because they didn't have a stop sign. That was on Maria's side, though. I digress. You know what happens when you don't stop. You know what happens when you, you, don't, you break all of the traffic laws and the signs. You know that. And Jesus Christ has a book full of traffic signs, not to ruin your day, but to get us to slow down, to stop. He tells us when to go. He tells us when to stop. And he has been speaking to my heart six weeks ago about how much myself and us here, for whatever reason, will not slow down, will not stop to smell the roses. The asterisk in your notes, it's the last fill in. Kind of a central thought I have here as I leave you is there is enough trouble in the world today without making every day stinky. You ought to enjoy some kind of great smell, some idea, something that you do. Life stinks enough without our attitude and our outlook stinking it up even more. <laughs> the Ecclesiastes writer, the wisdom man Solomon, he, he has such a balance on things so very often. Ecclesiastes 11.7, light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to the, see the sun. That phraseology, if you look it up in another translation, means it's great to get up every day and see the sun. It's great, like like Jim said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He goes on to say, however many years anyone may live, 
Let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. I am not today trying to tell you that you're not having a problem. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying along with the tough things, the trials, the bitterness in life, shouldn't there be some type of a joy in the small and the big things and all of what God has given to us? Shouldn't there be? That's why I put in, in your notes, take it all in, because I went back to Genesis. I said, what was God's intent when he started this? I understand that the fall came in. But as Genesis 1.28 says, and 26 and 27 say, that God made you and me in his image. Wow. And it says, God blessed them. And, said to them, and they didn't even sneeze, and he said, God blessed them. You were blessed. You have worries, I do too, but do we have blessings? Be fruitful, God says to you and to me, and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the, in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours. Wow. Didn't we just read that God has these perfect and great gifts that he gives to us? So easy for me, for you, to just look right over the top of them. I was talking with uh, Dawn Simichek. She gave me permission to tell you that uh, several years back, she was getting ready. She had a, a, a tumor, and she was getting ready to have brain surgery. And as she got ready and approached it, she was praying. She had people praying for her. She was fasting. And she said she really, as she's getting ready to go into brain surgery, she was just like, I'm, 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 I'm trusting Jesus. Whatever happens, happens. And she said people around her got irritated. How come you're not taking this seriously? Anybody here have a problem that's maybe a little deeper than brain surgery coming up? There's something that she could turn over to Jesus. You can too. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have some type of action involved in what you're doing. But do it with a peace in your heart. She came out of surgery wonderfully. Her husband's a little messed up, but she's great. So can I close by asking you what your favorite aroma is? What your favorite smell is? Is it a rose? Is it bacon? Yeah, bacon. Or maybe it's fresh cut grass. Or you ever notice how the air smells just before a, th a thunder and a lightning storm is coming in? It has that ionized clear. Maybe that's your favorite aroma. Let me ask you this then. What's your favorite activity that smells good? What's your favorite activity that makes you stop and smell and enjoy life and smile? Whatever it is, do it several times, several dozen times every day. Lord Jesus, as we close our message today that you have spoken clearly to us about, you know, we you know, sometimes we come from the opposite side, don't don't stop and smell the roses because that's kind of where we live and exist. And so as we today, you're ready to close. We'll have some announcements, Lord. We'll, we'll have an anointing with oil today. I want to give you praise and thanks for the prayers that you heard that were prayed over me as I had shoulder surgery and how wonderfully, wonderfully you have healed it and watched over everything. 
even the doctors and even the physical therapists said, I should thank God, and they said, it's miraculous. And Lord, I have nothing to give credit for or praise to anybody but you. So may all here be encouraged to lift up in prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And as uh, Jim comes forward, when do you want to do that? After announcement?